Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Welcome to the free version of the Michael Savage podcast, and I'm going to keep it free for all of you. But there are many of you who would love to be able to listen to my show without any ads. I love ads, but many of you want to listen to the podcast free of ads. So we created something for you, a solution. We call it the Savage Premium. For less than the price of one flat, tasteless beer at your local bar, you can receive access to all of my podcasts going back years ad-free for just $3.99. That's at $3.99 a month. You'll get not only my ad-free podcast, but you will also occasionally receive access to material that is exclusive for members only, and I'm going to give you the list in a minute of what you've, what you've missed. You're going to get an occasional monologue from me, maybe a reading from one of my novels, sneak peeks of interviews before anyone else hears them, archive pieces dating back to 1994. Many things that come up, you're going to get exclusive access to Michael Savage material. Details can be seen on my website, michaelsavage.com, and if you want to join... All you got to do is go to glow.fm and search Savage Premium. That's glow.fm and search Savage Premium. Now, you will always have access to my free weekly podcast. I want to be clear about that. That's my promise to you. But if you want less ads and more Savage, join the Savage Premium Club today and never miss a spoken word of mine. It's glow.fm slash Savage Premium. You can find it on michaelsavage.com. And here's some of the stuff that you have missed so far. Michael Savage reading from his best-selling novel, Countdown to Mecca. My words, my voice. Savage reads from one of his lost journals, Fiji, 1968. Savage's first drive-time show, Hour One. My interview with the Jewish gangster, very popular. I uh, read from my first written published article, Who Was at the Helm? 
from 1965. It's heard nowhere but on my premium site. I read passages from my novel, Abuse of Power. Uh, we replayed Fat Al's Tuna. My Savage Show from 32494, the earliest show in the archive, 32494. My interview with Donald Trump from 110-2011. 110-2011, while Mark Levin was mocking him and Sean Hannity was mocking him uh, and the others were mocking him, I was interviewing Trump. Much more. And remember, subscribers also get ad-free podcasts every week. The cost is less than a beer at a bar, and you get a better buzz with, with the Savage Premium. So go to, go to glow.fm slash Savage Premium for full access to ad-free podcasts and exclusive sound you'll not hear anywhere else. Thank you very much. Today's podcast is called And Then They Came For Me. Why? Because a major left-wing, well, I don't know what to call them, a left-wing government hack group that supports CNN, the New York Times, Mother Jones, and other left-wing rags has tried to shut down Michael Savage's podcast. How? Because they attacked me through my advertising agency. They didn't go to me. They came right to my advertising agency saying that they were fact-checking me. Now, this is nothing new to me. I'm banned in Britain. I was thrown off MSNBC, etc. I've been banned from radio stations. But I try to find out who's funding this shadowy group, NewsGuard. I have never heard of them. They call themselves fact-checkers. Well, they tried to challenge me because I said things about the COVID vaccine they didn't like. I said that uh, global warming has been uh, discovered to be basically based on fraud. They didn't like that. And I found out things that you'll learn about in this podcast. I mean, they're funded by the Department of Defense, if you can believe this. If you can believe how bad this country has become, you'll find out that the Department of Defense is actually running a censorship group like NewsGuard. You'll also find out who the scum are who run NewsGuard, the lowest form of humanity. They would have been very happy working for Stalin or Hitler. And so this podcast will disclose for you the danger we are in, in areas you may not even be aware of. And I interviewed an intelligent man, Darren Beatty, who runs Revolver News. Great guy, was a speechwriter and policymaker for Donald Trump. He has a PhD from Duke University, a real PhD, an earned PhD in political science. He wrote about bioethics, morality, and ethical treatment of animals. Good man all around. And um, he has a lot to tell us about the censorship that's going on. He reveals more about NewsGuard and how these left-wing agencies are doing the dirty work for Big Pharma, for the government, by attacking any truth seekers or truth tellers who divert from the party line. He's a well-educated, intelligent guy, and frankly, a self-professed savage fan for many years. And we go well beyond the censorship issue and talk about world politics, local politics, national politics. I think you're going to enjoy this podcast. And if you do, you can do two things. Share it with five others and support our advertisers. Thank you for listening. I'm Michael Savage. Here we go. Hi, Darren. How are you? Nice to see you. Oh, great. Great to be with you. You are the publisher of Revolver News. You are a speechwriter and policy analyst or maker for President Trump. You have a Ph.D. from Duke, which is very impressive because as a person with a real Ph.D., I know how hard it is to get one. 
We're living in an age of, of the Kellogg's cornflakes doctorates today. No, I like your phrase, the earned PhD. The earned PhD. <laughs> you know where that comes from, from the days when they were earned. Right. So you wrote about bioethics, morality, the ethical treatment of animals. I'm an animal nut. You were one of the... F- I'm reading that in 2016, you're one of just 136 American academics who signed a letter supporting Trump's candidacy. That's interesting because that's about I started supporting him a little around then, but I made a decision early on that he was the only one who could beat Hillary. Uh, number Indeed, one. In fact, more than that, I was uh, while at Duke, I was the only non tenured full time academic in the country, as far as I'm aware, to have supported Trump publicly. You'd be hung today. Indeed, indeed. And the only faculty member at Duke, by the way, who correctly predicted the outcome of the election, which scandalized them even more because, you know, a lot of these political scientists these days, they pride themselves on appropriating like quantitative methodology in order to be able to predict political events. None of them had a clue. They all got it wrong. (laughs) They always get it wrong. You know, it's like that clown that Drudge continuously used to quote during the election. It was wrong every time. Who's that? What's his name with the, with the number for his uh, thing? Yeah, like the f- 538. Yes, yes, yes. The guy's Silver? never been right. Is it Nate Silver? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The guy ha- has no academic background. No, I mean, it's 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 charlatanism. <laughs> but, you know, these days people like charlatanism to be presented to them in the language of doctored statistics. So I finally got attacked by this group. I had never heard of NewsGuard. Yep. And I um, said, well, who the hell are these people sending me? I mean, it was like an inquisition from their employee Wang. It was like an inquisition letter. Answer these questions. You know, like I was called before a a hearing in a communist cell. I don't know who Miss Wang is, but I didn't answer her questions. I said, do not write me again. Contact my attorney. I'm not answering you. That, that was my answer. She sent me another letter asking again, who owns Michael Savage? Who owns the Michael Savage podcast? I said, I told you not to talk to me directly. Contact Daniel Horowitz. So I haven't heard from her since. They have gone after Breitbart News. They went after Revolver News. Who else has this Stalinist group called NewsGuard gone after? Well, I would imagine they've gone after anyone who's made a positive difference in the information ecosystem or who has dared to challenge any of the powerful stakeholders in the regime, many of which have a conflict of interest with NewsGuard. When you take a closer look at the people actually associated with NewsGuard, advising NewsGuard and funding NewsGuard, it's a total sham operation. And it's also a scam. It's a sham and it's a scam. It's a sham because the people involved have no business telling people what you know is, is objective uh, reporting and what isn't. And it's a scam because the whole idea is They're providing a service to third parties to say, for a small fee, we will exercise your judgment for you and Mm. tell you which news sites are appropriate to go to and which ones have earned the poor nutrition label. (laughs) You know, they use this nutrition concept 
invoking the kind of vernacular of public health uh-huh. in order to basically censor ideas that the regime and their donors Jesus. don't like. Look, Darren, you're a real resistor because you're an independent minded individual. I can tell the first second I started speaking with you. Uh, do you live on the East Coast, by the way, or the West Coast? I live in Miami. So oh, well, East Coast ish. <laughs> when next time I'm there and it should be in the near future, I'll, I'll definitely give you a, a, a call. I'd love to get together I, with I you. I love it. And I got to say, I got to take this opportunity to say I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. And I remember very dark days in graduate school when huh. I was just suffering under the oppressive <laughs> environment of omnipresent liberalism making me go crazy. I'd go home, I'd listen to your show. And it was such a positive catharsis, um, especially, I mean, I love all of it, but especially your insults, the, the talent for insults have just stuck with me. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget. I was listening to you and I think it was Carl Rove. And you referred to Carl Rove as a human gefilte fish. And I just burst out laughing and I've never forgotten it. And I must confess, I've stolen that line on a few occasions. Well, he does sort of look like a gefilte fish, doesn't he? Like somebody yeah, took but, the fishes. Yeah. And mix them perfect. together and made them into a doughy figure made of fish. He's it's such perfect. a fishy character. Why in the world anyone would believe a word? He says, I don't understand why they have him on Fox News like he's a reliable source. The guy is so unbelievably disgusting to me. But let's put that aside. I can't go into that now. <laughs> I just learned today that um, Breitbart reported that the Department of Defense awarded NewsGuard Technologies a $750,000 contract in September 2021 for the organization's, quote, misinformation fingerprints project. I'm sure you know about that. Could you tell us yeah. more about it? Absolutely. I think what's important to understand, and I mentioned briefly the many conflicts of interest uh, that plague NewsGuard and really make it both a sham and a scam. Uh, you know, one of their biggest funders is was this uh, publicity group, this PR company, one of whose biggest clients was Pfizer. And uh, one of the many things they objected to in terms of Revolver's reporting was, you know, reporting on uh, medical issues that might not be favorable to Pfizer. Um, but it goes beyond that. They've gotten many State Department and defense contracts. And the main issue originally they had with Revolver News is, you know, Revolver's gained some uh, a lot of national attention for our reporting on January 6th. But before that, we gained attention for our reporting on so-called color revolutions, which is a regime change methodology favored by a specific subset of our national security apparatus. And I called out specific individuals and said that they were deploying the same tactics and methodologies domestically mm. in order to cripple um, uh, uh, Trump's presidency. And they said, this is scandalous. How can you suggest we're involved in color revolutions? And they actually quoted as authoritative sources, some of the people involved in the very color revolutions we were calling out again, conflict of interest, but they're totally intertwined, not only with big pharma, with, but with the military industrial complex oh, yes. to the point that one of their board, a person on their board of advisors is none other than Michael Hayden, the architect of the domestic surveillance regime. Oh, my, the, good, the old guy from the Edward NSA? Jones. The old guy Absolutely. from- Absolutely. He's literally on their board of advisors. Another person on wait, their wait, board- Wait, wait, I got to slow down, Darren. 
You're yeah. telling me that this this quote private organization that attacked me and my little podcast and your organization and Breitbart and and all of the other organizations that present their version of reality, their version of the truth in a free society. Uh, how could they be funded by the Department of Defense, Darren? It's you military. Know. You said, wait, this is frightening. It's China. It's the Soviet Union. It's the central government controlling the flow of information. Um, the two things they attacked me on were, were I had an interview with Dr. Kelly Victory, who's a brilliant medical doctor, and her position on COVID is much different than that of Pfizer. She basically said it's, it's, it's now an epidemic of the vaccinated. I had to repeat that. I said, what? She said it's now currently a, 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 an epidemic of the vaccinated. She explained it. They didn't like us doing that. Then I they quoted me saying the science is in. There is no science supporting global warming. They got shocked. They sent me a long, like one page detailed information sheet from the NOAA, all the government agencies proving that there's climate change and global warming. Well, we all know there's always climate change. Of course, here in California, I joke they don't know what to do with themselves because since the rains came and it virtually flooded all of northern California, they, they've shut up. Al Gore is on a vacation, a permanent vacation in, in, in Barbados, I think, because he hasn't been heard from during this, this ferocious winter. Michael Savage, a host like no other. So what, what did it end with this war, Darren? I don't know where you stand and I don't want to drag you into my position, but I'm a man of peace. I want peace. I don't want a thermonuclear exchange. I cannot believe what I'm watching going on. It's a repeat of World War One. And I can tell from history, this is only going to end very badly unless it's stopped. And I was watching um, Newsmax last night and Greg Kelly said something interesting. He held up a picture of this book, The Art of War, which I keep on my desk. And he's and this guy's supporting the the war against you uh, against Russia. And he said, you know, Sun Tzu wrote, you must give your enemy a solid bridge to retreat over. He said, we cannot keep calling Putin Hitler and telling them that we're going to invade Moscow with our tanks and expect good, you know, something good to happen of it. I was shocked that, you know, he's a former Marine and he's a former pilot in the Marines. So he understands what bombs do to people. I don't think anyone in this government understands what bullets and bombs do to populations. I'm shocked at what I see going on. There's no intelligence in this administration. So, look, I know there are much bigger issues than this shadowy, fraudulent group coming after me, coming after you. We have a world that could blow up in our faces. You know, somebody gives the command and the codes on a nuclear submarine. Fifty cities could could be could be wiped out. People do not even understand what a, what a submarine contains today. You know what they can do. One Russian submarine, one preemptive strike could take out 50 cities. Absolutely. But if I could just provide a little bit of extra context to NewsGuard to give people a sense of why it's actually important beyond them unjustly attacking far superior and more intelligent um, uh, uh, journalists than themselves. And the reason it's important is, you know, in the United States, we have, you know, the First Amendment, which at least in theory, but even to some degree in practice, imposes 
some limits on what the government itself can do in terms of directly curtailing speech. And so what's happened, there's been a whole infrastructure that's developed really at an accelerated pace over the past decade, whereby the whole censorship apparatus has been outsourced to the private sector. And it takes place in the form of these sort of government-funded cutout organizations like NewsGuard. And they've all coalesced around the new censorship predicate of the day, which is disinformation. Now, the reason that's especially dangerous is that, you know, it used to be they just shut people up using terms like, oh, you're racist, you're this, yeah, you're, yeah. you're sexist. But disinformation is a term of art that comes from the national security context of psychological warfare. Mm. And to say that somebody is a disinformation agent is not just to say this is a bad person. It's to imply that they're a national security threat. What are they lining us so, up for a concentration camp? It, exactly. And you think and so? Sort of, you really do? What's that? I'm sorry. You really think they could wind up taking us away in a black car? Oh, well, I mean, we're not quite there yet, but mm. they are significantly impacting um, speech in the United States. And the regime is doing it through this dirty trick of basically outsourcing the censorship apparatus to the private sector in the same way that the military might outsource especially dirty and sensitive operations to a military contractor like oh boy. Blackwater or something like that. That's effectively what's going on. And NewsGuard is one especially ridiculous and hypocritical and scammy instance of a whole archipelago of companies and NGOs and organizations that are animated by this pretext of fighting disinformation, but whose really real job is to shut up anyone who dares criticize, expose, or embarrass our corrupt and illegitimate regime. Bravo. Bravo. Uh, I believe it was Churchill who said, well, he couldn't have referred to our first amendment but he said that it's unpopular speech that needs to be protected not popular speech and our first amendment was written as i have said for 25 years it was written specifically to protect unpopular speech you know, no matter how outrageous i mean not saying like kill somebody but i don't agree with you that the vaccination is, is helpful for everyone i don't agree children should be vaccinated I don't believe the masks prevented much of the spread of the disease because the pores of the mask are too large to stop the virus, which is a very small uh, um, sized uh, organism. And it goes right through the mask. You may as well put a you know, pick a fence around your face. Well, I should be able to present those facts as as should you. But I want to ask you something. Look, this is not new to me. I've been banned in Britain. I can't even enter Britain. I'm the only member of the American press or American media. You know, I was banned in Britain. I'm sure you know that. Right. I actually yeah. cannot go into a nation. They put me on a list with Russian skinheads who killed immigrants, Muslim terrorists who blew up a, a school bus in Israel, captured the children and executed them on tape. They put me on the same list. I was shocked. And I said, hey, this can't be happening. But it did happen. So I was the, 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 the canary in the, in the coal mine. Look what England has become now. It's right out of Orwell. They're arresting people who are silently praying across the street from an abortion clinic. Grown men, white men, I have to say white men. Arresting a it's not a racial thing, arresting a white woman who is silently praying. Yep. 
for the unborn. How could this be going on in, in, in the land of the Magna Carta? Where does this end? It ends with concentration camps. But as I say, but I have to go back because I was going to ask you this. There has to be a relationship between this shadowy group. And we have to get to Stephen Brill in a minute. He, he runs it, doesn't he? Yeah. And, and George, does George Soros have anything to do with this group? Um, no direct relationship that I know of, but it's certainly within his broader uh, extended universe. Well, what about Media Matters? This is sort of much like Media Matters today. It is. It, you know, it's, it's, it's funny. Another you know, person associated with this who's in the board of directors is Rick Stangle, who is recently called out in one of the Twitter files. He was the head of the State Department's Global Engagement Center on, under Obama. Oh. That is, and he identifies himself as the chief propagandist of the Obama regime. He, oh, God. One of his uh, foremost oh. um, agendas is to reformulate the First Amendment so it doesn't include what he calls hate speech. Um, he's one of the primary actors in this recent push to censorship censor speech under the guise of disinformation. Rick Stengel? Rick Stengel. Not yes. related to Casey. Uh, not that I know of. <laughs> now, how do guys like Rick Stengel and Stephen Brill become so fascistic? Do they not understand who they are or do they not care? Now, I'm asking almost a rhetorically stupid question because I have watched the evolution and devolution of the Soviet Union. I watched the evolution and devolution of the Third Reich. Many people went to work for the dictatorship who prior to that opposed the dictatorship. They're opportunistic scum. They would kill babies. A lot of these people, if it required them to do it, they put them on ice. We're not too far from it, by the way. Didn't we read recently? I'm getting ahead of myself, but you know how my mind works. Sometimes it's a little scattered, but it all comes back to the main point. I read that a Japanese quote researcher, Darren, said that we should euthanize the elderly. <laughs> did you see that about two weeks ago? I, I did not see that. What did a Japanese say? researcher actually dared say that the country is overpopulated in Japan with old people and they should self-euthanize for the sake of the nation. Wow. How is this happening so rapidly? I mean, I see this metastasis spreading so rapidly under Biden. I don't know when this stopped. Um. Yes, you know, things are definitely degenerating at a rapid pace. As far as your comments on the UK, it really seems like the poison is in its most uh, virulent form in the Anglosphere. And <laughs> within the Anglosphere is probably the worst in the UK in particular, which has kind of all the problems that we have in the United States, but even worse and far fewer of the redeeming qualities that we would have. It's, it's really become a disgusting society in every respect, that is the, uh, the UK. And, you know, at least, you know, the United States for our, all, all of our faults and shortcomings, we're still um, the global hegemon, at least for now. Mm -hmm. Britain, I think, never really recovered. I mean, it's in the name Great Britain, but they haven't been great for a long time. And they can't rest on that. And that was probably a very essential part of their self-conception. And so once Great Britain had to kind of accept the fact of being a middle power at best, I think that kind of contributed to this insanity, which, you know, together with all of these existing poisonous 
social and political trends really destroyed them from the bottom up. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. Well, I have people very close to me, and I don't have a lot of people close to me at all who are very depressed. And and these are optimists who have built big things. They feel the country is completely destroyed. It cannot come back when they see things like the deranged lunatic who led the Trump Georgia grand jury. I was sent that story this morning. The destruction of our university system by filing people, firing people who criticize critical race theory, which is just anti-white racism. Right. Anyone who says anything about this, the deranged trans agenda with our little children is fired. It's hard to imagine that this country, if you look the, at the trajectory, how does this change, Darren? How do you change su- such a trajectory? You know, it's 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 very difficult. And it really does seem that realistically, you know, because you know, politicians will say, you know, change is simply a matter of, oh, we need this person in the White House. But it's clear to anybody who's honest and sober about it, that the problem is far deeper than anything that could be corrected in the space of an election cycle. Mm. The problem is deep and really systemic. And I frankly think, you know, maybe there is no solution. Like, you know, people think that countries last forever. Countries don't last forever. If you have the historical perspective, you know, nothing lasts forever. And maybe there is a kind of cycle to regimes, you know, in the way that, you know, maybe the Greeks uh, thought, and this is just the natural uh, way of things. So it's in Uh, essence, the, the nation's dying. Irish government discusses giving migrants special protection under hate speech law. I just saw that article. Right. How is it that a nation can put migrants ahead of natural citizens as they're doing in this country, which Biden is doing, England is doing, Ireland is doing? I saw something about Scotland where a new um, minister who wants to run to become the prime minister of of Scotland, whatever they call it, said there are too many white people in Scotland. No, it's a disease. How is it possible? It's a disease of a kind of ethno-masochism, an ideology of self-loathing that is really the reigning principle that governs every strata of society in the West. And it's something that's really unique to the West. And if we were to be even maybe a little bit more provocative, it seems like it's kind of unique to European people, this virus of self-loathing. And it's something that's, you know, it's interesting. It's so foreign to the Chinese, this concept of self-loathing, because what they do for all of their faults, they are entirely inoculated to the woke virus. It is so foreign to them that they don't understand it at all. They don't under- even understand it enough to exploit it. You know, their their efforts at using woke propaganda in order to embarrass the United States. The joke is really the embarrassment is the fact that our geopolitical enemies do their best to come up with woke propaganda to demoralize the United States. And it's not even a fraction as demoralizing as the stuff that we produce here and shove down our own children's throats. Is is China behind any of this uh, infection of self-loathing? My personal view, which might be, you know, unpopular on the right, 
I think China is a geopolitical threat. It's a geopolitical competitor. But I think the poison is coming from inside the house. I think there's a tendency of politicians on the right. You want to point the finger at China because you don't want to say it's our own corrupt, filthy, scumbag leaders that are ultimately to blame. And so you now, have come on, you're a PhD. You're a PhD. You can't talk like me. Darren, I don't think you're going to get a tenured position at Columbia School of Journalism. <laughs> Maybe not. But you know what? Columbia has one thing to their credit. The Columbia School of Journalism was actually honest enough to admit that Michael Hayden, a board of uh, an advisor to NewsGuard, was an inveterate liar. So even Columbia journalism has more integrity than NewsGuard. Kies Custodian, Custodian Ipsos Custodes, pardon my bad Latin, but you know what that means. Who will watch the watchers? Right. Kies Custodian Ipsos Custodes. Juvenal said that thousands of years ago in Rome. Who is watching the watchers when the watchers are so corrupt? Nobody. We are. So that's why they've talked. You know, you, you know, I'm watching this. So you take NewsGuard, this creep, Stephen Brill, this creep, Rick Stengel, whoever they are. So the first they went after much bigger fish. They started years ago. They went after Breitbart. Uh, they went after uh, uh, that Prager University. They went after Revolver. So now they're coming down to the smaller sites like my show. Is that they leave no stone unturned? What they have a hit list in order of size? No, that's a great question. I don't know internally how they prioritize things, but it's very clear that anyone who touches upon a narrative that is not approved by their sponsors, by Pfizer, by the military industrial complex, oh by you know their backers in the State Department and the Department of Defense and Pfizer. Oh. And you know, at least at the time that we wrote the article on them, Saudi Arabia, the, the same PR firm that was uh, their biggest backer, one of their biggest backers, had Saudi Arabia as a major client. So again, they're entangled. With well, I, I got to back up on this. Why in the world would Saudi Arabia be in bed with this group that is attacking me and attacked the revolver? Why? Well, I mean, they're in, in essence, they're sleeping with the same person because the same PR firm that had the Saudis, one of their biggest clients, was at least at the time that we did the piece on NewsGuard, one of NewsGuard's biggest backers. And so by virtue of this PR firm, they're automatically intertwined in all sorts of conflicts of interest, including the Pfizer one. But it's not limited to that. It extends beyond to the fact that the State Department is giving them awards. Like, think of how Orwellian the idea is of governments giving awards, like little pats on the head to good, obedient dogs for being, you know, for censoring the right information and saying, Good, good boy. You you sure showed those bad uh, disinformation people. You sure showed those people for for contradicting Pfizer. Here's your little biscuit. Here's your little award mm. for being a good uh, for being a good fact checker, for being a good fact checker for the regime. And so, no. you know, again, it's it's not just NewsGuard. There are millions of these outfits out there. It's do you, do you have a book, Darren? Do you have a book out? You, you should have a book out. 
I, well, I have an introduction to a January 6th committee report that I don't know if you want to get into it, but it's um, basically it is a comprehensive presentation of the thesis for which I and the news site Revolver News have become well known, and that is um, questioning certain aspects of the official narrative of January 6th. Yes. If you've heard of people like Ray Epps, that pretty much yes. comes from us. And oh, Skyhorse, oh boy, you must really be on the hit list. Yeah, exactly. And so Skyhorse Publishing, they took the risk of asking me to write an introduction to the committee report. And so I did do that. So if people are interested, they can check that out. As for so where, other, where they could check it out on Revolver News. Well, they can check it. They can get it on Amazon. It's it's a it's a published book. Mm. So it's the Skyhorse version of the january 6th committee report but i'm going to make it i'm going to invite you right now to write an introduction or a preface to a book i have coming out which will be my last political book i swore i wouldn't do another one but newsmax and i've been working on it for it kept getting delayed for 100 reasons but theoretically it should be out in october it'll be my legacy book basically and i think it's already up on amazon and i think it's called a savage republic borders language culture that's my legacy book I've been preaching borders, language, culture as defining a nation, as you know, probably from the beginning of radio. But if you want to, we could talk about it off the air, but I think you'd be yeah. great because you have a context. You're also a scholar with a great background. I would love you. I mean, my honor to have you do that. No, absolutely. And I must say border language culture is one of the best uh, statements. You know, it, it just encapsulates everything. It's uh, one of the best I don't know if you know, you know. I don't mean to diminish it by saying slogan, but it's it's just so. It is a slogan. It's so. It's so. Uh, it's as good it's as Orwell. So powerful. It's <laughs> to the core of what matters. Well, here's the way. Here's the way I look at it. I was 1994. I was on radio. I created the Paul Revere Society. I created the Paul Revere Society cards, and I had to define what the organization stood for. It's since defunct. And I said, we stand for borders, language, culture, which defines a nation. Right. Now, I have not yet found something that trumps that definition as succinctly of how you define a nation. If you ask an islander in the Caribbean, whether it be Martinique, Trinidad, any one of the small island nations, how they define their nation, I've been there and asked them. They say, well, man, we describe it by our borders, our language and what we are, our culture. Right. So everyone understands that. France is its borders, language and culture. Germany was its borders, language and culture. Certainly Biden knows that Ukraine is defined by its borders and its language and its culture. And he's bankrupting America and risking thermonuclear world war to defend the borders, language and culture of this faraway nation called Ukraine while opening our, our borders up like a, like a, like a soup can. Right. The whole thing is crazy. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So, Darren, censorship is what it's all about. You're with your publisher of Revolver News. You work for Donald Trump, which is great. Are you still in touch with President Trump? Yes. In fact, we recently did a kind of interview, but it was more like a phone call that people can listen in on. It's uh, really the most extended uh, conversation he's ever had publicly about the um, 
criminality of the national security state. We touch upon the JFK files and you know <laughs> the problems with that. We touch upon um, Ray Epps and the January 6th Fed surrection. Um, we touch upon the censorship issue and the Twitter files, a whole range of things, including some kind of celebrity gossip uh, that <laughs> goes, goes back to the 80s. And it's doing very well. It's, it's surpassed 7 million views on Rumble, which is pretty, pretty amazing. I it's was an interview I- with Donald Trump yeah. that you did that you did. And it's on yeah. Rumble. Yes. Are you involved with Rumble? Um, other than having my material on Rumble, no, <laughs> not I, I not. I mean, people uh, keep telling me to go on Rumble, you know, and I I don't go. I'm I'm, you know, I'm a guy who sticks to what I do. So I do Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and I have my own YouTube channel. But I am so shadow blocked, shadow banned. Even my cooking shows are blocked. They limit the responses. I can see it. I can feel it, and I know it. Uh, I do cooking shows, but I inter- intersperse them when drinking too much wine with politicals diatribes in the middle of cooking the pasta i'll have an outburst against <laughs> well i bastard. advise you to get on rumble there's no reason not to and you're probably going to be more favored by rumble's algorithms and youtube and you know i've got several things on rumble that you know surpass three million trump the trump interview is the the biggest one but i've got a lot of things that have in the multiple millions how it's it's all about how the algorithm catches it because wow you know, on youtube on youtube if youtube senses that you have material that yeah. people want but it's not the right material politically <laughs> they will crush you you're not going anywhere but on rumble wow. it's sort of the opposite if they get a sense that this piece is gaining steam they'll actually recommend it to people and that sort of has an oh. avalanche effect oh, i never knew YouTube, about it you you know on YouTube, the only person you know you're gonna you're gonna see is this guy Lex Fridman, who's everywhere. I don't know if you've seen him. He's he's everywhere on YouTube. Who, who is he? What does he do? Well, it's a weird thing. I you know I have nothing against him personally, but I have been known to mock him because he's just everywhere. He's the most algorithmically driven person on the entire internet. He's I the ze- he's the zealot of of uh, yeah, he's the yeah, zealot. You can't watch any random documentary uh, on YouTube and fall asleep and not wake up to a Lex Friedman interview. It's that oppressive. And but the point is simply that the algorithms really determine the distribution of information at this point. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. I have such great interviews on there and they have, you know, a few thousand, 10,000 max. Right. That's right. all I get. Savage paella right. should have gotten 10 million. I mean, I right. cook a great paella. Uh, or my interview with Pompeo and in it's Savage uh, Pompeo tells Savage about his unique menorah. I was interviewing him like I'm interviewing you and I noticed a menorah behind him. I know he's not Jewish. He's a devout Christian. And I dared. I, I felt I said, Mr. Pompeo, is that a menorah behind you? He said, yes, it is. And he told the story that it was given to him. I, I, it's a it's an artillery shell from Gaza was fighting. So I said, Israelis made it. Yes. So, you know, he's a, probably a fundamentalist Christian who has a great respect for the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the ancient sense, in that regard, I actually really like Pompeo. I know he's into the war and I'm not. But, you know, nobody gives you 100 percent of what you want in another person. That's what they call another person. But right. between you and I, I think he's a solid uh, figure. I don't know why, you know, you would know more than me about this, Darren. When I said I was going to interview Pompeo, I got more 
vitriol on Twitter than any other thing I'd ever posted in my entire life on Twitter. And I didn't know where it was coming from. Name calling of the lowest order about Pompeo. So I said, is this the left? It wasn't. It was mainly the right. Mm -hmm. They called him every name under the sun first in his class at West Point. I mean, I'm a guy who respects things like that. Right. Harvard Law School, Harvard Law Review, successful businessman, tank commander. So he doesn't agree with us on the war. How could you say things about him like that, I, that of the kind of things that I saw? How can people be reduced to such horrendous verbiage? I don't understand this country anymore. Well, it's a good question, but I'll offer my best version of the devil's advocate response. Go ahead. And I think um, there is a perception which frankly, it, I think is largely justified, notwithstanding his positive qualities. He's not, he's no dummy. He's a smart person. He has impressive and earned credentials. Um, and, you know, he, you know, for the most part, you could say, okay, he's, he's, a, he's a competent person at what he, he did. But there's a sense that he does represent the interests of the military industrial complex in a manner that's um, troubling to imagine him being. Well, he owns a company that makes uh, um, parts for air, for jet planes, military jets. I know that. He well, created but not, it's not about that. It's more about the kind of the 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 elements that are backing him and the uh he's he telegraphs a certain interest of uh being very aggressive on the foreign policy state. so he's they they can say deep state okay that's what i keep hearing yeah deep there's state. a deep state there's a sense in which he is the guy he is the military industrial complex's public face to the kind of maga base and you know, maybe some of that perception is unfair, but I think there's a large degree of that that is probably warranted. Now, does that negate, you know, maybe his other potentially redeeming qualities? I mean, that's up for people to decide. But I think there there's a faction of the kind of Trump supporting base who really um, appreciate the fact that, you know, he criticized the Iraq war. He criticized the Bushes and he didn't get us into any new wars. And I think people, 100. a lot of people don't. Oh, come on. I, I, one of the reasons I supported Trump and yeah. I, I hounded it was he's a businessman and businessmen generally don't like war unless they're in the military industrial complex uh, right. business. And Trump wasn't. I saw it from a mile away. The yeah. truth is, is that when he won, he came on my show the next day or the next week. And I said to him right on the radio show at that time, I said, would you speak to President Putin? After you're inaugurated, and he thought he thought for a minute, which was unlike Donald Trump. He paused and he said, you know, Michael, I would speak to Putin before I'm inaugurated. He so he had a personal relationship with Putin. And, you right. know, and I know he said this never would have happened if he was president. I 100 percent believe that we know what happened in 2014. We know right. that John McCain and, and Newland went over there and upset the apple cart in, in Ukraine in order to cause a revolution, the maiden revolution. We know that Zelensky is a complete fraud. We know that Zelensky was elected on an anti-war platform, which is how he won. He won as an anti-war candidate. 
Right. He also said we will not let NATO put nuclear missiles on our border with Russia. That's why the Ukrainians elected him. They didn't want this. If you had an election in Ukraine today, if you could even have one since nine million people were driven out, I don't think this war would be supported in Ukraine. No, it's a very it's a very complicated thing because, you know, there's no question that the perception within Russia is that, you know, the United States has been overly and unacceptably aggressive since the end of the Cold War. Mm. There's been specific objections to policy of sort of indefinite expansion of NATO, um, which uh, you know, understandably makes Russia very uncomfortable. Um, and I guess put them at a stage where, you know, the calculation was, okay, we have to put a stop to this and invading, you know, Ukraine would be uh, the right move. I think from any per kind of objective perspective, it would be hard to make the case that Putin comes out ahead after all is said and done. I think this is pretty devastating to Russia, but it's not as though there weren't any longstanding provocations against Russia on our part that sort of provide context to that. And also, I think most importantly right now is all of this aid that we're sending in there. It's not making anything better. It's just making things worse because it simply serves to prolong the conflict and therefore prolong the suffering on both sides, including, and maybe even especially on the side of the Ukrainians. So we're, we're, we're doing them no favors. How can they defeat Russia? It's 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 virtually and literally impossible for no, Ukraine, no matter how much weaponry is sent in there for a nation of that size to defeat Russia. It can't happen. No, it can't happen. All it does is prolong. All it long does is prevent a cessation of hostilities, which would be in the best interest of everyone. Home of borders, language, culture, the savage nation. Let's talk about this for a minute. I'm very, you know, I have people close to me who can't sleep at night anymore. They're worried about cities being vaporized. They're terrified. You know, it only takes one mistake, one drunken night and a few keys are hit on a, on a submarine. As I said earlier, both sides and we could, you know, inflame the world. So now we have a mad president. He's like Ludwig II. He's bankrupting America, but not to build a palace called Schloss Helenkiemsi, but to build a nation called Ukraine while letting our nation melt down in front of our eyes. So who is behind this war? Military industrial complex would be a logical answer. Okay, the old Reaganites would be a logical answer. The people stuck in the Cold War mentality. Putin evil, kill Putin. They don't even understand he's less of a communist than this than this government is. Putin may be a bit of a Soviet, but he's not a communist. We have more communism in America than they have in Russia right now. Right. Incidentally. So we're not fighting communism. What, what the hell are we fighting here? But our own shadow. My no, question is, you know, Kissinger, for all of his deficits, is a brilliant or was a great, brilliant strategist. Can't take that away from him. So about three months ago, he came out and said, peace, you know, let's negotiate a settlement. He was roundly attacked all over the media landscape. They said he's old, he's senile. 
They never said that about Biden. The same people who are saying that that, that Kissinger seen out for, for calling for peace never even suggested that for Biden is, you know, do I see any hope? I do. You know how you'll never believe this. I noticed the other day that the despicable group Code Pink, mm. who I said, where the hell are they? Where did the peace sticks go? They confronted Biden in a restaurant in D.C. last week, basically saying, you know, settle the war, end the war, blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, there are peace groups starting to appear all over the country. The media doesn't show them. Small grassroots peace groups are appearing. Are you hopeful that this could grow into something bigger? Um, I'm hopeful. I'm not necessarily expectant. The no. problem is when when any of this and I don't think Biden at his core is one of these ultra, you know, kind of aggressive warmonger types. I mean, he's old and senile. Who knows to what extent he has any <laughs> formulated positions at all at this point. But you know, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt to some degree. But the thing is, is, you know, we see these little things creep up like every now and then the mainstream media gives some wink and nod, some degree of deference to, oh, wait a bit. What, what about this Hunter Biden laptop or the story about the classified documents that surface? People think, oh, this is a victory of the, you know, the conservative media that yep. finally brought this in the main stage has nothing to do with the conservative media. This is a intra regime um, conflict. And I think these, you know, basically telegraph to Biden, the regime or deep state, whatever you want to call it, telegraphing to Biden, look, if you don't play ball in our direction, we have leverage over you. And the regime does have leverage over him. And to the extent that he's, you know, pretending to call the shots anyway, I think it's being directed by other forces. Some of the very aggressive members of his regime, people like Victoria Newland, who at least in the version of events recounted by Seymour Hirsch, played a big role in the United States' uh, decision to blow up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. There's, you know, and there's who knows if Hirsch's account is entirely accurate, but I think it's reasonable to infer that it's not the Russians who blew up their own pipeline. And therefore, it's either us or some proxies operating under our sort of tacit understanding. What the thought was they would starve Russia of revenue when in fact they starved Europe of gas. Well, and that gets to an interesting and I think underexplored sort of geostrategic dimension of this conflict, because most people think of it in terms of Ukraine and Russia or U Ukraine as the proxy war between the U.S. and Russia. And that's certainly a component of it. But there's another element, which is the United States relationship to Europe. And by blowing up Nord Stream 2, assuming we did it or a proxy, that wasn't just a critical piece of Russian infrastructure. That was a critical piece of German infrastructure. Mm. We destroyed their infrastructure in you know, what would ordinarily be understood as an act of war. Yes. And they did nothing. It was a, an act of total full spectrum dominance over Germany and therefore by extension over Europe. And it totally put to rest this incipient notion within Europe of what they call strategic autonomy, whereby Macron and these others said, okay, we're going to chart a more independent course for Europe and not essentially be a vassal state of the United States oh, anymore. Boy. That whole idea has been completely demolished wow. uh, with, with the destruction of Nord Stream 2. And so 
for everything else going on, this has been our opportunity to completely and unambiguously reassert complete dominance over the sovereign affairs of Europe, for better or worse. Michael Savage, a host like no other. You and I can talk for, for, for hours. And before, I mean, there's so many things I, I, that you mentioned. I want to hear about January 6th. I know you've written about that to a great extent, but I think we should conclude with talking about NewsGuard who came after me. They came after Revolver News. They came after Breitbart and other groups. They give good ratings and bad ratings. They rate the following groups as great. New York Times, L.A. Times, CNN, Democracy Now!, Mother Jones and Media Matters as good, good, good and reliable sources of news. Bad ratings, Fox News, Breitbart, The Epic Times, The Federalist. And of course, we can go down the list of, of websites such as yours. Uh, and now my podcast, my poor little podcast, which, by the way, it's not that small. My ad agency says it's in the top 10 of their 3000 podcasts. So when I reached a certain point, I think of having influence. It got to them and they said, we better shut him up again. We thought he was dead, but he's come. Back. He's come back from the dead. He doesn't have a radio show. Uh, no, it's so funny. I, I think Revolver News has the lowest possible rating that Newsart <laughs> can give. I think we're the lowest F minus. There's no concession to anything. And, you know, it's 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 so silly and disingenuous. What are you, 10 out of 100? Yeah, New York okay. Times, 100 out of 100. And oh, wait, Mother oh, Jones. I think is, we're zero out of 100. It, Mother Jones is it. 87 out of 100. The Epic Times, which is anti-communist, is 49 out of 100. What's Revolver News? I'm looking for it. I can't even find Revolver News NewsGuard ranking. You don't even get a rating. Oh, he, it's not coming up, unfortunately. Maybe, but the last time I looked, I'm sure it's up there somewhere. I just can't find it immediately. But yeah, it was the lowest possible rating. And one of the marks against us was that our um, exclusive pieces come with no bylines which is weird because that's the same editorial policy at The Economist. And you don't see them complaining about that. It's like the things that they choose to nitpick are, uh, are so uh, kind of disingenuous. It's just really funny. And of course, the insult added to the injury is this is coming from a group whose board of advisors in, is just a who's who of deep state hacks and regime degenerates that you know, <laughs> we've, we've, we've covered some of them. But just to get to the degenerate, one person on their board of directors, Arne Duncan, you remember him? He was the secretary of education. Under oh, Obama. yes, that's sicko. He was known, it was, there was some sex scandal. One of his underlings, it came out that he was teaching, you know, sex stuff to kids and he had his own dalliance with an underage boy. I remember. And Arne Duncan, th these, are, these are the degenerates and scumbags uh, who are advising NewsGuard, not to mention, you know, the, one of the well, biggest. Well, let me ask a loaded question. You know them better than I do. Rick and Steven. Yeah. Um. Are they part of the homo-fascistic regime? Well, I know we're not allowed to even say that. I know it's a violation of the protocols of the elders of truth. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> one, of my, one of my coinages that has taken off is referring to the new version of the United States as the globalist American empire, which has the convenient acronym GAE, gay. And, you know... <laughs> 
it, 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 it really like, and it's, and it's true because whenever you see the rainbow flag overseas, you can be sure that American influence isn't too far behind. It's become almost more representative of our regime than our official flag itself. And so in this kind of broader sense, of course, you know, Stengel, NewsGuard, all of these sort of disinformation, hall monitor, watchdog organizations are the modern day commissars protecting the globalist American empire that has their function. And like I said, it's all, it's basically that the regime has outsourced the censorship job. They can't do it directly like in China. So they outsource censorship to the private sector with these cut out government funded groups like NewsGuard and many others whose job it is, is to shut up anyone the regime doesn't approve of under the pretense of saying it's disinformation. Someone has defined them as an online media bully run by wealthy left-wing activists pushing their agenda. I couldn't agree more. I'm sure you have other words to say. Darren, before you go, are there any concluding thoughts or words about this terrible state that this country is in about the censorship under these outsourced groups like NewsGuard? And what what power do they really have over us? I mean, they went after my advertiser, Mike, the company that gets me the advertisers that makes my site work. Right. They didn't go to me. They went behind my back. Yes. They interfered with my economic advantage. They actually committed a blunder legally. They made a a terrible mistake. By doing that, but that's between me and them. NewsGuard and its, quote, partners turn out to be the government itself. I'm sure if Trump were in power, there would be no connection between NewsGuard and the Department of Defense, probably on day one. One one would hope. Yeah, um, but, but, but you know, so, it's, yeah, well, you'll it's be absolutely there. true. These groups, what they try to do and there are other groups and we get targeted by these guys all the time. Whenever there's a new ad or we can't even think about running Google ads because they're full time Soros paid operatives whose job it is to nag like, you know, like a stalker ex-girlfriend to nag these these advertisers say, I see that you're appearing on Revolver News, a website that engages in misinformation. Are you sure you want to be associated? And, you know, the thing is, the person on the other end of that line is usually some like 25 year old right. you know, recent graduate from Wesleyan or whatever. Yes, yeah, so dummy. And they say, oh, no, conspiracy theory. That's bad for brand safety. And that's all it takes. And with a snap of a finger, you're done and your revenue stream is is diminished. And there's an entire industry apart from the disinformation industry to prevent um, news organizations that report things the regime doesn't like to prevent them from properly monetizing with advertisers who want to advertise with people who want the information. All they do is bully the advertising companies in a manner that's you know, very similar to a kind of mafia shakedown technique oh saying, oh, that's a great company you have. It would be a shame if your if your brand were diminished by appearing on this conspiracy website. It's a it's a very dirty kind of enterprise. 
And, you know, we can only expose it, you know, ultimately, they don't win, we just have to be more clever, which thankfully, we are. And it but it but it's a nuisance. It's it's a pain. It's a headache to deal with these people. There's such mediocrities, the kind of type of person who would make a living digging through the trash and sniffing the underwear of their natural superiors like this (laughs) is, is, is just it's a disgusting type of person. But Are you describing Rick Stengel and Stephen Brill? <laughs> but the, you, there's so many of them, you know, but Darren, and, I put it on, on, I put this up on, on, you know, like old style sites. They almost sound antiquated like Instagram. So people said they're attacking you. Good. That means you're doing something right. Or you're so you they're so threatened by you. Savage. You speak the truth. You kill. You're still doing it. Maybe we should look at it that way. I mean, just same with revolver. You must feel that way, right? No, absolutely. Look, it's it's the cost of doing business. That's what comes with, you know, making a difference, having influence with talking about things that, you know, few people um, are brave enough to talk about. But a lot of Americans, millions of Americans want and deserve to hear about. So it's an important service. And again, ultimately, the commissars, they're only a nuisance. They are not uh, they're nothing more than that. Yet, um, I would so, say yet, yet, yet. But, um, you know, one simply has to be clever, be aware of their designs, be aware of their hypocrisy, because, you know, simply by being aware of what a joke they are, you can't see to them any kind of moral authority. You can't see to them any intellectual authority because they're both morally and intellectually inferior to the people and the organizations that they presume to attack and to correct. And that's here, here, House of Commons speech. Great speech of the House of Commons. <laughs> so, Darren Beatty, great seeing you on the other side of the screen. I hope to see you uh, hopefully in, in the Miami area and in your Absolutely. future. I'd love to. Revolvernews.com. Is that the site you run? Is it Not revol- quite. It's revolver.news. So no.com is just revolver.news, www.revolver.news. Okay. Revolver.news. Wow. Well, very impressed meeting you, Dr. Beatty. Likewise. And, uh, it's, it's an honor to, to how, speak. How do you, how do you, who are your cohorts in Miami? Do you have people who you speak with? I'm a recluse. Oh. I have nobody. You know, I'm kind of a recluse too, to be honest. You know, there there's there's some good people around. Um, you know, I I know some good people, but for the most part, uh, I'm busy with revolver and other things. Interesting. I, I would a, love I'd love to get in touch when you're in town. Do you have a dog? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> so you're totally dedicated to your to your cause. I understand that you get so sucked into reality. And the good the good fight that there's no point. Everything is boring. In other words, if I do anything but study the downfall of America or try to prevent its demise at at this rate, I'm bored out of my mind. I can't even go to a restaurant anymore because I know I'm missing something. I mean, I want want to watch a new show or I just want to zone out, watch a bad movie or something. I've noticed something about movies. So I search uh, Netflix. I try to find pre 2009 scandinavian movies or italian movies or french because uh-huh. they weren't they weren't politically poisoned yet right every show that i like has a gay character either in the first season or if it's very popular the second season they become gay 
So <laughs> I'm, by the second season, the gang leader turns out to have a boyfriend, for example. Right. How'd that happen? <laughs> I saw that with one like about a judge or something. I forget what it's on HBO. It was pretty good. Season one about a judge who's corrupt in New Orleans. His son, you know, kills a mafia kid's son by accident. And so the gang leader is a black woman, a female. Very compelling. Very well done. The language is is so good. The, the vernacular of the, the black speech pattern of New Orleans and the gang world. Perfectly amazing. Season two. Suddenly she's in a nightclub kissing a woman on the lips, a black singer, a woman. <laughs> I said, what did the Obamas get to this writer in order no, to get renewed? In order to get renewed, you have to make a black woman gang leader gay. Pretty much. That's that's the price of admission. It's pretty amazing and pretty funny. But, you know, there's just such a creative death in Hollywood. The only thing they can think of is to reprise the old classics with the main characters being gay. Why, why is gay so important to them? What happened here? That's a fascinating question. Well, let's and save it for another time. Yeah. I don't understand this. There have always been gay people. There's always been cross-dressing people. There's always been lesbian people. Everyone knows it. Everyone's lived with it. I grew up in New York. Big deal. But right. why now does it become so important to this society to force it down our throats? Why is every ad on television denuded of white people? Well, why you know, my, my formulation, I'll borrow a formulation by uh, the uh, uh, Irving Crystal, if you've heard of him, he had, yeah, he, yeah know, I love them. Not he's, he, he has some problems, but he had a great line. He said, it, it, referring to homosexuality, he said, "It's gone from the love that dare not speak its name to the love that won't shut up." <laughs> oh God! Oh, that pretty God. much sums it up, right? Oh <laughs> yeah, you got the last laugh out of me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Darren, we'll have this podcast up. And I hope perhaps you can share it with your viewers. Of course. Summer. Yeah, of course. I well, if you don't, we'll put it up on our Rumble. If you don't put it up. I on don't have Rumble. Rumble. You put it up. Okay. You got the following. OK, I would love it. Perfect. OK, great, Darren. Thanks very much. And stay strong. The world needs you. You too. Great honor to speak with you. Have a great day. Bye, Dr. Beatty. Yep. Bye bye. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.